When it's cold outside, thanks to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, you'll be warm and toasty inside. Right now, put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to two years at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving Glad everybody's getting back to normal. One or two more notices. Our holiday radio show is back. It is this evening. Matter of fact, I'm already dressed as I will be dressed this evening. I just didn't feel like changing clothes right after the after the radio show ended to come on back down here. So I'm in my festive attire. The WTMJ radio show is back. We're going to be doing it tonight. It is in the Grand Ballroom at the Fister. Doors open at 5.30. The show starts promptly at 6.30. It'll be over by 8 o'clock. So um, tickets are going fast. There, We have a few left. Um, we, we don't They're not for sale at the door. So you have, I think, until 5 o'clock. You can just go online. It's WTMJ.com. The tickets are $30 a piece. portion of that goes to Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas. The uh, cost of your ticket also includes parking. And the the parking is in the Fister garage, the the ramp. It is self-parking. There's a little bit of miscommunication connected with this. But you just pull in, and once you show up and register, you'll get a you'll get a, a voucher that that's gets you out. So you don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about walking blocks or anything like that. All you have to do is pull into the Fister parking garage, go up the ramp, find a spot, go over to the Grand Ballroom. Uh, the Again, the doors open at 5.30, and the show starts promptly at 6.30. We're expecting a large number of people, so we're very much looking forward to it. But there still is time. few tickets left if you go to WTMJ.com, and we hope to see you there. I know everybody is excited about this, and I spent a couple hours yesterday just kind of working over my parts of the script and very much looking forward to seeing, like I say, everybody there. Tickets are still available. At least a few tickets are still available. So you can check that out. Mandela Barnes. Remember Mandela Barnes? It's going to be interesting to see what Mandela Barnes does now that his effort to try to be elected to the U.S. Senate has, has failed. Um, Mandela Barnes is, of course, a creature of government. And I'm, I'm not sure that he's really ever worked outside of government. But now, once his gig as lieutenant governor ends um, next month, he's going to be trying to figure out, you know, what, what he does for a living. Um, as far as political hopes, well, at least in Wisconsin, you, you don't know what that might be. Um, I don't see him running for Congress because the, the two people that are in Congress who represent Democrat held seats, uh, Pocan and Gwen Moore, they're, they're not, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Tammy Baldwin in all likelihood will run for re-election as a Democrat to the state Senate in 2024. So he's not going to run against her. The next statewide office that comes up is 2026 when Tony Evers, if he were to run again, um, I think a lot of people figure this is going to be it for Evers, but, but who knows? So that's a long time to cool your heels. So you wonder what Mandela Barnes might end up doing. And at least on the one hand, you get the idea that maybe he's auditioning for a job for the last two years of the Biden administration. I have in my hands the, the tweets that he sent out on Thanksgiving. Now, generally speaking, when you send out tweets on Thanksgiving, but what do you want to do? You want to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving. 
You know, hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving, a chance to get together with family and friends and, and maybe put politics aside for a day and just enjoy yourself and have turkey and count your blessings and enjoy your football games. All right. Now, that's not Mandela Barnes. Here's what he says. The thank this Thanksgiving, I'm grateful for many things, including my family, my friends and everyone who works to make Wisconsin a better place for all. All right. Fine. As far as it goes. But then. With that said, I recognize this day has a different meaning for some Wisconsinites. Huh? Thanksgiving can be a painful reminder of the cruel of the cruelty our indigenous community members have faced. It is also a reminder that this country was founded on the backs of the enslaved, none who willingly came to this country. I use this day and every day to acknowledge the injustices this country was built on. I encourage you all to do the same as you reflect on what you are thankful for. In other words, okay, everybody should feel guilty that, you know, slavery, which is, you know, I don't know, been abolished in this country since the 1850s, but, you know, that's, we, we need to obsess ourselves with slavery. Let's all continue the fight for justice, especially for those who have been systematically left behind. In other words, Mandela Barnes just can't put politics aside. One of, um, I, the, the general thought when he sent this out was, gee, and this guy almost got elected to the U.S. Senate from Wisconsin. Don't know what he's going to end up doing, but he hasn't changed his tune. There, there's no question. So for the next several years, every time Thanksgiving rolls around or Columbus Day or whatever, I suspect that we're going to hear from Mandela Barnes about how guilty that we should feel that, I don't know, you had slavery when this country was originally founded. Go figure. All right. If you are like me, you spent Last evening, watching the Packers play the Philadelphia Eagles. Actually, it turned out to be a better game than I thought it was going to be, especially, you know, after the Eagles' first two possessions. Eagles get the ball, get the kickoff, go through the Green Bay defense like a knife, hot knife going through warm butter, right? Score a touchdown, then there's that weird interception. They come down. They score a touchdown, miss the extra point. It's 13 to nothing. And I admit, at that point, I'm texting back and forth with my buddy Evan. I, I thought it could easily be 45 nothing. But to their credit, Packers came back, actually um, tied the game, took the lead, and then ended up tying the game. And it, it was very, very competitive. But the problem is that the defense was just absolutely awful. I mean, they gave up. Over 300 yards rushing. The quarterback had 120 yards after the first quarter. I mean, the defense was just absolutely appalling. And, I mean, I guess the season's over. So whether they fire the defensive coordinator now or whether they fire him at the end of the year, I don't think it necessarily makes that much difference. You know that that he's going to be fired. The Packers are just a hot mess. But the offense, I mean, the offense was competitive today, unlike or at least last night, unlike sometimes but then, of course, what happens in the third quarter is that Aaron Rodgers, who's been taking a lot of really big hits all year, he gets hit. And, you know, last night they were saying it's an oblique injury. Um, Rodgers is saying it's his ribs. And so w- regardless, whether it, it's the oblique or whether it's the ribs, it, it's very tough to play. It's tough to do anything if you've ever had broken ribs. You know, if you've ever had broken or bruised ribs, it just it kind of hurts to breathe. And if you're a quarterback, it's very, very tough to, to throw the ball because you have to that throwing motion involves, you know, turning your body and stuff. And, and it's very, very painful. So, you know, Rogers best case scenario has bruised ribs. 
Worst case scenario, he has a serious oblique injury or, you know, he's got broken ribs. But Rogers says, well, as long as there's a mathematical chance of the Packers making the playoffs and depending on what depending on what you look at, the Packers do have a mathematical chance. ESPN says it's three percent. One of the other sites I was looking at says it's two percent. But for all intents and purposes, the Packers have a much greater chance of getting a top five draft pick than they do of making the playoffs. I mean, that this, let's face it, this has been the season from you know where, and for all intents and purposes, what the Packers have to do is they're, they're playing for next year, trying to figure out, you know, what went wrong this year and maybe give a chance for younger people to, to get a look. So Jordan Love comes in last night. Has, has a pretty good fourth quarter, I, I think. Now, admittedly, you know, Philadelphia wasn't blitzing him. They weren't doing stuff like that. But I think Jordan Love looked better last night than he certainly has in other on other occasions when he's been brought in to play quarterback. So Rodgers is injured. The season is, for all practical purposes, over. And the question becomes, what do the Packers do now? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. I guess I, I just... Look, I'm not a football coach. I'm just a fan. But this seems to me to be the ultimate no-brainer. You, you've, you're not going anywhere this year. You've got to find out if Jordan Love can play. Why in the world, with Rodgers hurt, with the season essentially over, why wouldn't you start Jordan Love, give him a few games to play, see if he's any good, see if there's a chance that he can be the replacement for Rodgers, and then move from there. To, to put Rodgers out there, injured like he is, for five games left that really don't mean anything, seems to me to be crazy. 855-616-1620, that's a WTMJ talk and text line. Who should the starting quarterback be when they play the Bears next Sunday? 855-616-1620, we discuss. <laughs> 855-616-1620. It's a WTMJ talk and text line. Look, I'm not a football coach. I'm just a fan. But to, to me, some decisions are hard. Some are easy. The Packers season is in the toilet. That That's just the, the reality. You're, you're trying to figure out what you have. Aaron Rodgers is due to make $50 million next year unless he retires. And I don't see him retiring. All right, so you assume that he's going to come back, but there's always the possibility that you can trade him after, what, June 1st or June 30th or, or whatever. But before you could do that, you got to figure out what you have in Jordan Love. So what a better, what a better an opportunity to do this? The season's going nowhere. Rogers broken thumb. Rogers has bruised ribs, broken ribs, damaged oblique, whatever. It, it's clear that he was in a lot of pain. Why? Why put him out there for games that don't make any difference? And as far as Jordan Love goes, he is under contract through next year, but the Packers have to make a decision um, whether or not they are going to extend that contract. They can pay him a whole bunch of money and keep him around for a fifth year, but you're not going to do that unless you figure out that this guy is going to be the quarterback of the future. So for all these different reasons, it seems to me, including Aaron Rodgers' health, putting him out for meaningless games when he is clearly not 100% makes no sense at all. It makes no sense for the present, and it certainly makes no sense for the future. 855-616-1620. Let's start with John in Wauwatosa. Hi, John. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, in the post-game conference last night, Rogers was talking about how, you know, as you said, that there's a mathematical possibility he wants to be in it. I think he senses his window's closing. Jordan Love only missed one pass that 
was basically a scramble play to the corner of the end zone last night. Every other ball he threw was either caught or like there was one that hit Aaron Jones right in the hands and came right. out. Um, he looked really sharp, regardless of how much pressure the Eagles were putting on him or if they were tired. I want to see more out of him. I think Rodgers will not start another game for Green Bay. Not You don't think he's going to start another game, period, for Green Bay or just this year? No, I, I don't think period, because if Love and, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not a, a football uh, coach either, so right. who knows what's going on behind the scenes. But I think if Love gets the opportunity to play out the rest of the season and he shoots the lights out somehow, how could they put Rodgers in to start next year? Yeah, well, I think, well, I mean, I, see, here, I mean, here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers, that there, there is this money side to it. Aaron Rodgers, unless he retires, that is voluntarily walks away, he's due to make $50 million dollars. I, I, who, who, I don't care how much money you have. I don't see Aaron Rodgers walking away from $50 million. So, I mean, I think he's coming back. The only question is, does he come back as a Packer and hope that this was just uh, an aberration and hope that he can find that magic from the last couple of years and they become a Super Bowl contender again? Or, um, when the salary cap thing changes a little bit, does he, do they try to trade him? They can save a little bit of salary cap money and try to trade him to a team that might be closer to being a, a Super Bowl contender that could use the, the aging quarterback. But of course, you don't do that unless you, you, you feel confident that the Jordan Love is the answer. But I guess you, you got to find that out at some point in time. And it seems to me that this, this is the time for that and Rodgers might like to keep playing um, even if it's mathematically possible but I'm I'm not sure that an injured Aaron Rodgers gives the Packers the best chance to win the last five games but let's be honest they're not going to win the last five games they're not going to make the playoffs this year for whatever reasons you know you you could have the greatest quarterback if you're going to play behind a defense that's given up almost that gives up 500 yards including over 300 yards rushing to the Philadelphia Eagles you're, you're going nowhere Miami's going to kill them Miami's just going to absolutely kill them. The Vikings are going to absolutely kill them. Um, but you just, at some point in time, you have to say, okay, this year hasn't worked out that well. Let's let's try to play for the future. Let's talk to Mark in Germantown. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are we doing? Good. What do you think? Well, we, Pecker's got more issues than just quarterback. The, the first yeah. one, I, two things I want to look at. First of all, Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, just do a quick background check on this guy. He has failed everywhere he's gone. Yep. I mean, he was part of that 0-16 Lions team when yep. he was the defensive coordinator. He is just not the guy. Now, he, keep in mind, he was second, and they went after Jim Leonard first, who turned yep. it down. Yep. So he was he's, – he's, in my issue, they've got plenty of talent on that side of the ball, and they're just, just being underutilized. Yep. <laughs> and a story. Yep. But there's yep. guys that are paying a lot of money that didn't show up this year. Devondre Campbell, Russell Douglas, those guys have been – Darnell Savage this year, and he threw a ton of money at him. Yeah, okay, I, 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 right. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, and so that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Aaron Rodgers can, you know, it can be the Aaron Rodgers of ten years ago. With this team, isn't going to the playoffs. That's just, and, and if they got somehow to the playoffs, they're not going anywhere. But okay, but what do you do with the quarterback controversy? Do you sit Rodgers next week? My take on this is it's going to be an odd spin. That I don't think anybody's ever talked about before. I had my my theory on this was. They drafted Jordan Love because he is not your prototypical quarterback. You look around the league, who are your most successful quarterbacks? Like last night, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, those guys that can run and throw. Mm -hmm. Rodgers cannot run and throw, so there is no RPO in that offense. It's just drop back and throw or or hand the ball off. The only time he runs is when he scrambles and he's getting heat, which means there's a predictability factor about the offense, I think, to to a certain degree. I think 
that they drafted him, in my opinion. I think LaFleur drafted him because they were hoping that Rodgers, I'm great, he's an MVP quarterback. We can all agree to that. He's had his time, and, and he's been awesome since he's been here. I'm not bad-mouthing him, but I think that they drafted Jordan Love because he's that quarterback that, once he learns the system, will give him a little bit of that unpredictability back there. Can he run the ball? Can he throw the ball? Mm-hmm. Can he be something a little bit different? Because that's the direction that the league is going right yeah. now. These athletic quarterbacks. Oh, I, I I don't disagree. Out of pocket, run, pass, throw. You know. No, no, Mark. I I don't. I mean, I I don't disagree. And and I mean, I remember I was thinking this when I was watching the Buffalo game a couple of weeks ago. Josh Allen, the Buffalo quarterback, he's he's Aaron Rodgers ten years ago. And, and look, and I, I I this isn't a knock on on Rodgers, but it's he's not anywhere near as mobile as he used to be. But I guess I I just think you have to you have to find out what you have. The Packers are going. The truth is. Whether this is Rodgers last year as a Packer or whether next year is Rodgers last year as a Packer, you still have to figure out, okay, who, who's going to be next? You spent a first-round draft pick a couple years ago to pick Jordan Love. Don't you have to give him a chance to find out if he can play? So you can either say, okay, we, we feel comfortable that this is Aaron Rodgers' replacement, or no, we got to draft somebody else because Jordan Love isn't going to do that. But you're not going to know that unless you give him an opportunity to play. And in a season where you're four and eight, where 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers has been struggling, his thumb is busted, and he now has a rib injury that's, that's again, we can argue about how serious it is, but in a, the season's lost, he's got a bad thumb, he's hurt, why, why continue to put him out there, find out if Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback of the future, say, okay, this is what we're going to do, this is your team for five games, Aaron, we appreciate this, we're not saying we're going to get rid of you at all, you're due $50 million when you come back next year, but we want to find out what we have. Let's talk to Rich in Fox Lake. Rich, you're on WTMJ. Hey, well, I'm in the camp that I know it's neither here nor there, but I wish they would have traded Rodgers last offseason when they could have gotten a big haul for him. Yeah. Right now, with the way he's with the way he's performed this year and with that contract, I don't I don't see him. I see him having a hard time trying to trade him. To be honest, who's going to pay fifty million dollars for one of the lower rated quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, and I I don't especially think, after I don't the think Denver experience. Anymore. I, I, I mean, you know, Denver Denver trades for for um, uh, Russell Wilson. They they give up draft pick after draft pick after draft pick, thinking that Russell Wilson's the answer, and Russell Wilson's awful this had, year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm of the, of the belief that every sport, every athlete hits that wall at some point in their life. The pitcher can't throw 98 anymore. The batter can't keep up to a 95 mile in a fastball yeah. and a quarterback can't throw like he used to. And I think Rogers has hit that this year personally. So, yeah, no, thanks. I, I, and I, I agree, but that, you know, but the reality the Packers find themselves in is that they didn't trade him last year. They offered him this huge deal that guarantees him $50 million for next year. So he's, he's not going anywhere. I'm just saying that you, you have to, playing him these last five games does absolutely nothing. Do we care if the Packers end up, okay, so what are they now? Four and eight. Does it really make any difference whether they finish, I don't know, six and 11 or seven and 10 or, or whatever? Does it really make any difference? No, the big picture is they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to contend for the Super Bowl this year. Let's start looking to the future and figure out what you've got with Jordan Love. Matter of fact, I think the team, um, a number of people are texting about how the team seems to be rallying around him. I think there's a point. In any event, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. This is one where I think the general manager and the coach 
even if Aaron wants to play, I think they have to say, nope, we're going to sit you down for a while. And if he doesn't like it, well, he doesn't like it. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. When it comes to seeking elected office, timing is everything. And if you talk to people who've been in that position, politics or otherwise, they'll, they'll tell you that. Run too soon. Run before it's your time. Lose. A lot of times you get branded as somebody who can't win statewide office. Wait too long. Well, okay, I, I should get into the race now, but for whatever reasons, I'm going to pull back and there'll always be another opportunity. Well, two, four, six years later, time might have passed you by. And, and you see that you see that a lot of times. Um, let me give you an example of timing. Scott Walker, I think, made a huge mistake after he was reelected governor in 2014, running for president in 2016. It, it was not his time. And he created a lot of bad feelings among big Republican donors who had just invested a lot in getting him reelected. And he suddenly turns around and runs for, for president. I, I just, that was a case of bad timing. Tommy Thompson, I think it is possible that Tommy Thompson, I think he could have been a very, very formidable candidate for president, but he waited way too long. I mean, there was a point in time where Tommy Thompson, he, he was winning, getting reelected governor in Wisconsin by huge margins. And he was seen as this major reformer who was really changing the whole welfare system and stuff. And, and he had this window of opportunity. But for whatever reasons, he, he let that opportunity close. And then he tried to rekindle it years later, and it never happened. T- timing is everything. So from that perspective, from timing's perspective, I think Jennifer Doro, who is the Waukesha County judge who handled the Daryl Brooks trial, if she aspires to higher office, higher elected office, there is not a better time for her than this current election that is coming up for state Supreme Court. Now, let me kind of back into this for just a minute. Right now, the ideological, the, the court ideologically leans conservative. There are four conservative-leaning justices. There are three very, very liberal justices. All right, that's the makeup. This April, the chief, ju- uh, the former chief justice in the state Supreme Court, Patience Rogensack, she's she's retiring. She's I think eighty-one, eighty-two years old, and she's retiring after a long and successful career on the bench. She is a conservative-leaning justice. So this election is extremely important because if the liberals get their person in, they will take ideological control of the state Supreme Court, and we will probably still be shut down. If that had happened, we'd still probably be shut down with Tony Evers' COVID orders and things like that. So it is a very, very important election. There are two liberals running. The leading one is a very, very liberal Milwaukee County Circuit Court judge who has the support of like a lot of the big lefties that are out there now. There is one conservative that is in the race already. That is Dan Kelly. If you remember his name, it is because he was appointed to the state Supreme Court by Governor Walker in 2016. He ran for a full four-year term in 2020 and got beaten badly. I mean, he lost like 55-45. I mean, it, it was not a close race. Um, and he lost to, I think her name was Jill Karofsky, who's one of the now members of the Supreme Court. 
Kelly wants to get back on the court, so he has announced that he is going to run. I like Dan Kelly, right? And and if Dan Kelly, you know, is the conservative that ends up running, I, I will support him. But but he ran before, and he lost big time when he was an incumbent. So the question becomes: Are there for people who want to see this the, the ideological position of the court continue to be conservative? Is Kelly the best one to assure that? Knowing again that you're going to have liberals that are going to be very very motivated because this is this is their chance to take back ideological control of the court. Which brings us to Jennifer Doro. Jennifer Doro has been well, she's been a practicing lawyer. She's been a lawyer for like 26 years. She's been she was a um, she was a Waukesha assistant district attorney. She was in private practice for a while. I think with a guy that was one of my law school classmates. And then she was appointed by Scott Walker to the Waukesha County bench in 2011. So she's not a, a Johnny or a Jane come lately. I mean, she's, she's been, she's been a, a circuit court judge for the last 11 years. Now she's reached prominence, of course, by the way that she handled the, the Daryl Brooks trial. And I think, you know, she was great with that. Her husband, people might know him, Brian Doro. He was a city of Waukesha police supervisor. He was the former dean of criminal justice, homeland security, and counterterrorism at Waukesha County Technical College. He was a deputy assistant secretary in a national security position in Washington, D.C. And, and Brian is, is well known in the law enforcement community as well. And, and I know him better than I know Judge Doro. But anyhow, the story right now is Judge Doro is saying that she will decide in the next couple days whether she is going to run for state Supreme Court. You can start circulating nomination papers December 1st. So what's that, Thursday? So if you're going to run, Thursday would be, you know, you want to announce that you're in the race before Thursday because then you could start circulating the papers. I have nothing against Dan Kelly, and, and I know that there are people supporting him. I, however, think that Jennifer Doro would be an outstanding candidate for the state Supreme Court and for people who are looking and care about maintaining that conservative liberal balance, not essentially having the state Supreme Court become a rubber stamp for any big government ideas that that Tony Evers wants. I think Jennifer Doro gives conservatives the best chance of winning. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. I will tell you, like I say, timing is everything. And and if Judge Doro ever aspired to higher office, higher elected judicial office, and she ever thought, boy, I'd like to be a member of the state Supreme Court, I don't think the timing could be any better than right now. And I, for one, hope, 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 she gets in the race. 855-616-1620. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I sent out a, a tweet about this, and <clears throat> what I said in the tweet is pretty much just what I said now. I, I like Dan Kelly, who is former state Supreme Court justice, appointed in 2016 by Scott Walker, and he, he ran for a full term in 2020, and he lost, and he lost decisively. Okay, if he is if he's the conservative option, I have no trouble voting for him. But at the same time, I'm asking myself, 
and I've asked other people in the community, what, what's different in 2020, it'll be 2023, than there was in 2020? And, and why is he suddenly more electable now? Um, like I said, I, I like Dan Kelly, but he's lost before by a pretty large, large margin, and I think will face an uphill battle with independence. He's going to be painted as, oh, this is this kind of arch conservative. Jennifer Doro, Judge Doro, as a candidate, I think would give conservatives the best chance of retaining the ideological balance on the state Supreme Court. Jeff, I think this is Judge Doro's moment. Her name is recognized across both the state and the nation. I think she's a shining light in the way she conducted herself during the Daryl Brooks trial. If she doesn't choose to run now, I think it would be a mistake. I would be voting for her. Well, yeah, see, that's, I mean, that, that's the issue. If not now, when? Because you, you have to, and it's, it's not being a political opportunist. It's just, if, if you sit there and you say, okay, um, I'm interested in running for state representative or state uh, senator or or Congress or Senate. Um, I, I'm interested in running. F- I've been a circuit court judge for the last 10 years. I like this, but I've always wanted to be on the state Supreme Court. You know, timing is, is again, everything. In this particular case, you have an open seat. So, you know, you're not going to be running against an incumbent. You have a seat that's going to be getting a lot of attention because it's going to matter because it has to do with the ideological balance of the court. And from the perspective of Judge Doro, you're, you're never going to be hotter. You're, you're just you're never going to be hotter because everybody knows your name right now. And people forget that this is the thing. If you think, well, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe uh, I'll wait a couple years or whatever. Well, OK, a few years from now. You know, that things things change. Um, there are other trials of the century. Um, there's other stuff that occurs. You have to be able to understand when it's your time, and then you have to um, be able to, you know, seize the, the moment. Jeff, Dan Kelly is being backed by the Scott Walker crowd, so the primary election would be a test of Scott Walker's influence over conservative politics. Well, um, the a lot of conservatives that are backing Dan Kelly are backing Dan Kelly because they don't see any other option that is out there. I'm just saying give people another option and and let's um see. Jeff, do you think the Brooks trial would have been handled differently if the venue would have been moved to another county? Uh, my fear was that it was going to Dane County because of the high profile. Well, I mean, judges judges set the tempo. I mean, just think back to the O.J. Simpson trial and the disaster that was Judge Ito, who just completely and totally lost control of the trial. Yeah, I think another judge could have, um, you know, could have just uh, had this trial go off the rails, but it didn't in this particular case. So th- this is one of the things that's out there. And I, I mean, again, I, I hate to do these segments because it's going to sound like, oh, you're, you're, you're saying you don't like Dan Kelly. I, I like Dan Kelly fine. I am saying that I want somebody who is qualified, somebody who is smart, somebody who has a great judicial temperament, and I want somebody who can win. And you look at all those different boxes – and in 2023, a spring election, I think Jennifer Doro gives conservatives the best chance of maintaining that ideological control over the state Supreme Court, period. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. A follow-up to something we talked about the other day. And if I if I were a huge fan of Bob Dylan, and I, I, I can take or leave Dylan, 
I would be outraged at, at this. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, Bob Dylan, has just, who's in his early 80s, who has more money than God, he, he sold what his songbook to, you know, for, for millions and millions of dollars, and he's just come out with a new book of essays about various pop songs. Okay, that, that's the deal. It's called The Philosophy of Modern Song. So the publisher, Simon & Schuster, cuts this deal, and what they say is they say, look, they're going to sell 900 of these books and these 900 books are going to go for $600 a piece, and they're all going to be personally signed by Bob Dylan. Okay, now Bob Dylan, he doesn't sign a lot of autographs. If you can get a Bob Dylan autograph, there is a value to that. So these these 900, these are personally signed books by Bob Dylan, 600 bucks. So they, they get sent out last week. So they get to all these people, and a lot of these Dylan fans, many of whom like had Dylan autographs, they start looking at the autograph and they start saying, well, something's not right here. This, this doesn't look like it's an individually signed signature. So they, they take to the Internet and start you know, comparing notes. And at first, the publisher says, oh, these people are all crazy, nothing to see here. And then late last week, they admit, yeah, the, these aren't personally signed autographs by Bob Dylan. These are auto pen things. Like if you get a letter from the president of the United States in all likelihood, Joe Biden did not sign your letter. They have the, these auto pen things that look very much like real signatures, but they, ju- they just automatically sign them. And that's that's what happened. So these people thinking that they were getting a live Bob Dylan signature actually got one of these auto pen things and they charged $600 for it. Well, it turns out that Dylan knew that they were going to do this. Okay, so Dylan, after this all comes public, Dylan says, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I, I got COVID, and during the pandemic, I suffered from vertigo, and so that makes signing so many books difficult. All right, so we, we used an auto pen. And I'm like, what? I mean, look, I, I under, to, to me, see, Bob Dylan's in on this, and this is essentially, I, I think it, it's kind of an effort to defraud the fans. I understand that if he's suffering from vertigo or whatever, you can't sign 900 books. I get it. Well, then you should have canceled the deal, the promotion. You shouldn't have said, here, you know, send us, you know, send us $600, and you will be one of 900 that has this book with an exclusive personalized Bob Dylan signature. I mean, I, I understand why, because of, again, coronavirus or whatever, you, you can't you can't do it. But they went ahead with this anyways. They sent it out in an effort, I think, to deceive and defraud the fans. Now they're saying, well, if you send the book back, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the money back. But if, if fans had noticed something was going on, well, they, they would have just kept and pocketed the money. And I think, I mean, it's like, what's going on with somebody like Bob Dylan, who doesn't really need the money, but is willing to deceive his fans in this particular fashion? And like I say, I understand why it might have sounded like a great idea. Here, I'll personalize these books. It'll be great. I'll give you new signatures. Hey, I'm sorry, whatever's happened, I, I can't do this. Okay, then you cancel the sale. You don't go ahead and auto, you know, have these things auto signed and pass them off like they're regular uh, signatures. It, it's it was an effort to defraud, and Bob Dylan was up to his neck in it. And if I were a big time Dylan fan, I would be mad as heck about it. And yeah, I understand they're going to give people their money back, but only because they got caught. Shame on them. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. 
It's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Alex Crow, a number of our texters are saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? We thought Alex Crow was leaving WTMJ. <laughs> Guys, yeah, can't get rid of you, huh? Yeah, no, you can't get rid of me. They uh, needed someone in for Sunday shift, so I uh, gladly did that. And then today, while well, you guys are all out at the holiday show, obviously I was not written into the holiday show right. with uh, it being my last day. So I'll be the designated survivor back here. You know how like they always have one person missing the State of the I, Union? I, Alex, That'll be me in the newsroom. Alex. I would prefer if you did not use that as an example. I, 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 I'm the guy who's manning the fort or something. I, I would prefer a different, different language than like the, the designated survivor yeah. at that. But, but in any event, today we, we thought when we spoke um, right before the, the 3 o'clock mm-hmm. show on Friday, we thought this, that, that that was actually going to be some of your last, bro- your last broadcast. Yeah, but probably the last time we were crossing paths. They sucked yeah. you back in. That's it. You can't get rid of me yet, no. Well, that, that's it, and you're you're – off board. I, I love these phrases. You know, they used to call them like exit <laughs> interviews, but we don't do that. Anyway. It's off board. Yes. So on, you know, they bring people on board. Yes. And then when they leave, they're off board. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, so my off boarding interviews are today, and then I will be uh, manning the newsroom while you guys are all having a fun time at the uh, at the Christmas show, and that will be my swan song. That'll be it. Absolutely. Well, I, I said this on Friday, but for people I know listening, had, habits were a little bit off because of Friday. Um, it has been how many years have been here at TMJ? I started as an intern in 2014, so right. it's been about eight years. Right, and um, you are going on to a, a, a career bigger, better things, or, well, at least perhaps bigger things, and <laughs> better will be relative, but in, in broadcasting. So you're you're going to continue, people will be continue to hearing your voice and all. But I just, I said this Friday, and I said it again, it, it's been a pleasure to work with you over the years. I appreciate all that you've done for the station, and I appreciate all the contributions you've made to my program over the, those years. And I've enjoyed <laughs> chatting with you, and you've been just such a great sport. When I say, Alex, stick around, and I, I know it's always, okay, what does this guy want to talk to me about now? But you've been a great sport and a great participant, and I didn't want the, the program to end and you to just go on to your, your next you know assignment or position without me just saying publicly um, what a contribution I think you've made to the station and how I wish you nothing but the best. Well, it's very, very kind of you, Jeff. I, I appreciate you saying that, and I wish you nothing but the best with your show going forward, your listeners, and, of course, your big show tonight that you have where you're <laughs> narrating. So good luck with all of that. Thanks a lot, Alex. Yes, and that is a perfect segue. Let's roll into it. Yeah, see, there that, we go. That is, a perfect, <laughs> that is a perfect segue. You can tell this guy is a radio professional. Um, the W Radio TMJ Holiday Radio Show is back. Um, there are a handful of tickets that are still available, and you can order them up until 5 o'clock today. You just go online. It's WTMJ.com, and you'll, you'll get an email response. The tickets are 30 bucks. A portion of that goes to uh, Kids to Kids Christmas. Also included in the cost of your ticket, the price of your ticket, is is parking. So it's at the Fister Hotel in the Grand Ballroom. Um, the you, you, It's self-park. You, you pull into the ramp, park in the parking garage, just walk to the elevator, take it to the, the, wherever the grand ballroom is, I want to say it's the fourth floor, but I could be wrong. It's been a couple of years since I've been down there. Um, and, and then you're all set. If you haven't been to one of our holiday shows before, they're just a lot of fun. Uh, we have all sorts of surprise guests that come in. This is our sixth year. I think everybody who comes always enjoys it. Um, your favorite WTMJ hosts, personalities, special guests, grand ballroom at the Fister Hotel. Um, we call it a WTMJ Christmas tale. 
And um, yeah, I have a big role this year. I'm kind of the narrator. Spent a couple hours yesterday just kind of Wagnerizing my part, and that'll be fun. Again, ticket sales benefit Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Toy Drive. It's the WTMJ Holiday Radio Show presented by Capco Metal Stamping, Drake and Associates, Dave Drake Camp Heating, and Gruber Law Offices. If You've got some availability tonight. The doors open at 5.30. The show starts promptly at 6.30, and we'll have you out of there by 8. So this isn't one where, this isn't one where, oh, my gosh, it's 9 or 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. No, 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 that's not how this works. So we, we hope to see everybody there. A few more tickets are available, and you have until 5 o'clock to purchase them. So always, always fun. Okay, political correctness run amok, or does the guy have a point? Now, let's think about sports mascots for a minute. Okay, what's what's the mascot of the Bucks? Well, it's it's Bango, right? You, you've got Bango. And, of course, Bango, as a mascot, it, it relates to the name of the team. Okay, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. You've got Bango. That, that's a buck, right? You know, that's, that's what the costume represents. Think about some other mascots. The Phoenix Suns. You know what the mascot of the Phoenix Suns is? It's a gorilla. The Phoenix Sun mascot is a gorilla. And it's been a gorilla for the last, oh, 40 years or so. Here, here is the history of the gorilla. Um, for f- Phoenix, did Phoenix come into the NBA at the same time Milwaukee did? They might have. But, okay, for like the, the whole decade of the 70s, Phoenix didn't have a mascot, but their fans were known for, quote-unquote, going ape. You know, they, they were rabid fans. And so that was kind of the, the background through, you know, through the 70s. So what happened, and this is, this is kind of a, a true story, one night in the early, early 1980s, late 70s, early 80s, a messenger... True story from a singing telegram service. You know, they used to, and this is again sort of a dated thing, but there'd be a telegram, and, and there used to be times where people would come and they'd have these singing telegrams. You could send birthday wishes, and sometimes people would come dressed up. And one of the things was, and these were, there were famous episodes like on the L.A. Law Show, where people would, you, you could get a singing telegram uh, by somebody like dressed up in a gorilla suit. True story. And the gorilla would come, bring your doorbell, and I have a singing telegram, you know, happy birthday to you, whatever. So what happened is there was a guy who worked, a big basketball fan, who worked for the singing telegram service, who, honest to goodness, used to dress up as a gorilla. That was his job. So what he did is he came to a Phoenix Suns home game right from work, dressed up as a gorilla. Okay? So he he sat through the show. And again, the, the thing was Phoenix fans were known for going ape. So as he was leaving, some of the Coliseum security people, this is Phoenix, they said, hey, why don't you... Time out. We're gonna during a timeout. We're gonna let you go onto the floor at different time and you know, do a dance. And so the guy from the singing telegram messenger service, dressed up as a gorilla, he goes under the basket and and he dances right. And the fans loved it. 
Well, okay, the, the guy who was doing this, the messenger, he had a blast doing it too. So he kept coming to games dressed in the gorilla suit. They kept letting him go down on the court and dance and stuff. And then later on that year, he was officially invited to be part of, of the team. So just like Bango is the mascot for the Bucks, this this gorilla <laughs> became the mascot for the Phoenix Suns. Again, under the whole thing of let, let's go ape. And over the years, the the Phoenix Suns, this gorilla, has gotten a reputation not unlike. Remember, there used to be the San Diego Chicken, and if you're of a certain age, you know that reference. This was there's this mascot who you know w- was brought in all around the country. I don't know if they still have the chicken, but he he would do these dances and stuff, and you know it was again a very very recognizable mascot. So the gorilla has been a mascot for the Phoenix Suns formally for over 40 years here. And again, and the, the question people ask is, okay, you know, what, what is a gorilla? What does an ape have to do with the sun or basketball or anything? And the answer is, yeah, nothing really. It's just this is this is tradition. The gorilla is a lot of fun. He's just there. He does what he does with great enthusiasm, and the fans fans love it. It's just something that's fun, and nobody tries to overthink it. But no, there's no direct relations for a gorilla in Phoenix, Arizona, or you know the the Suns basketball team. No, it's just this is how it it developed. So Jeff, why are we talking about the Phoenix Suns gorilla mascot? Okay, Lamar Odom, who is a former NBA basketball player, he played with the Lakers. Um, he 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 goes on a podcast and he starts for whatever reason he starts talking about Phoenix, and he says, um, "Okay, I feel bad for the Suns because they ain't even gonna get what you all probably deserve." until probably you change the mascot. And the podcast guy goes, well, what do you mean? You, you don't like the gorilla? Um, do you think there's some racial connotations with the Suns gorilla? And Lamar Odom says, come on, bro. And then he starts to go, go on to rip into the, the gorilla. He says, the thing that's funny is they kind of slid that one by for all these years. Nobody says anything about it. Gorillas in the desert, you can't find any. You could probably find a cactus. In basketball, just like, come on, bro. But you know what's so crazy about it? They just tried it because they wanted to get the fans involved, and that's the reason why they kept it, because the fans loved it. But, you know, he goes on and says, well, but I I think this is just awful because I think, you know, the mascot has racial overtones, and I think they should get rid of it because it's racist. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. Let's tee this up. Now, as as I frequently say, I I think whenever you see real racism in the world, you need to step forward, you need to condemn it, and you need to do everything you can to, to eradicate it. At the same time, at the same time, there's a lot of people who, for whatever reasons, just like to play the race card for the sake of playing the race card. So, knowing the history of the Phoenix Suns mascot, is it racist to have a gorilla as your mascot? 
855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. And, I mean, I acknowledge just because something's been the mascot for 40-some years doesn't mean you can't reevaluate it. But, but is this something that needs reevaluating? Or is this another one of these examples of the perpetually offended and the politically correct? Political correctness run amok. 855-616-1620. Do you need to get rid of the gorilla? We discuss. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. All right, the, the the mascot for the Phoenix Suns has been a gorilla, and and again, it goes back forty some years. Where a guy who used to work as, as a he do singing telegrams, you know, dressed in a gorilla suit. He started coming to the games. He the fans loved it, and and that's. That's now, that is now the mascot. It's been for 40 some years. The whole message is, hey, the fans love to come. They get into it. They go ape. Well, now you've got at least one retired NBA basketball player who's saying, man, that's racist. They, they gotta get rid of that. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Lamar in Orlando. Hi, Lamar. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, first of all, I am African-American, number one. Number two, this is why I hate that we give celebrities so much attention because they say stupid stuff. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. The fact that th- this is racism, like, first this first of all, distracts from, like, real racism, right? Uh, with, when you bring so much attention to this stuff, and to be fair in the, over, the overarching scheme of the conversation, this is why when real racism happens, people are like, well, I want to see what's really going on because it's like, you have stupid stuff like this that happens. Yeah, and all of them needs to be quiet. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm with you too. I mean, that's it. I mean, when you think of all the things that go on in this world, that are truly examples of of racism, and and this is what the guy chooses to use his his time to to pick out. Well, I, I don't, I don't like this particular mascot. Well, you know, my guess is, by the way, if you go to a, a Phoenix Suns game. You're going to see a very, very diverse crowd. You're going to see white people. You're going to see black people. You're going to see Hispanic people. And my guess is, you know, just like when you go to a Bucks game and you see all the antics and stuff that their mascot, Bango, does, you're going to see fans cheering and going wild. And black people are going to be doing that, and Hispanic people are going to be doing it, and white people are going to be doing it. And, and my guess is there, there's nobody in that crowd that thinks, oh, this is somehow, some way, the guy that's dressed in the gorilla suit is making a statement about race. And, and by the way, I don't know the race of the person who's in the gorilla suit now. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? It's obviously he spent too much time with the Kardashians because he's demented now. <laughs> yeah, um, he was married. Think, he was married to with Chloe, right? Chloe was that who he was married to? It was one of them. I think I think it was, and um, obviously uh, no one gets out of there without some uh, <laughs> ill effect. But uh, I don't know if he's trying to stay relevant like the Kardashians because I mean maybe he just doesn't feel relevant, so he's got to make something up. But it is absolutely ludicrous. There's no connotation. It had benign origins, obviously. Someone came because he was a singing telegram company. I mean, to make that jump to saying it's racist now is absolutely ludicrous. It, it, it is, but that's, I mean, thanks to call, Mike, but of course that, that's the way, you know, some people view it. And yes, you, you are correct. It was, uh, Chloe Kardashian. Lamar Odom was once married to Chloe Kardashian. Huh. 
Yeah, you're right. No, nobody comes out of that family saying. But it, it, I just, I mean, you, this is what you wake up thinking. Okay, so you're going to go do an interview with somebody on a podcast or whatever, and you, you want to use that, that opportunity to call out something that you believe is racist in this world. Okay, fine. So what's it going to be? The Phoenix Suns, who for the last 40 years have had a gorilla as a mascot, that's what you're going to do? Jeff, does this mean no more Magilla Gorilla cartoons? I haven't seen a Magilla Gorilla cartoon um, in a long time. Jeff, those singing messages were called Gorillagrams. Were they racist? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if they still do them, but, you know, maybe... Again, and I, I think you have to be really careful. Just because something has been around forever doesn't mean that, okay, we, we take a new look at this and we determine, you know, whether or not this is, is appropriate by 2022 standards. And just because something was appropriate in 1965 and nobody would have had a problem with it doesn't mean that the times can't change. But in this particular case, uh, of all the different examples of racism that you could find in Phoenix, Arizona, this is the this is the best. Jeff, in today's world, it's best just to get a new mascot. Not worth the battle, no matter what the history of the mascot is. Well, to which my response would be no. Just just because you have some celebrity attention getting former basketball player who comes up with some sort of harebrained idea, oh, this is racist. Does that mean you, you suddenly have to say, Okay, well, here we're we're going to Anybody anywhere who feels aggrieved by this, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to have to kowtow down to them. No, I mean, the squeaky wheel shouldn't always get the grease. Sometimes you just let the wheel squeak and then it's ultimately going to stop or it's going to fall off or, you know, whatever. That's the bottom line. Jeff, I'd like to hear Lamar Odom's suggestion for a new mascot. Well, that's kind of it. Um, Jeff, I'm fed up with these folks. There's nothing racial. I'm surprised people don't go after Black Friday. Well, you can come up with all sorts of examples of, of this. You know, gee, I, it, it, the, the bottom line is we have to have some degree of common sense. You cannot always give in to the politically correct and the perpetually offended. And because all that does is it encourages them to come up with even more harebrained ideas. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so you're hearing that too. Yeah, we were both <laughs> hearing that during the news update. <laughs> okay, I just—I don't think it's going out over the air, but it is kind of—it's like, it's just sort of like it sounds. No, it just stopped. It's like a like a fan noise almost, right, or like some sort like, of like white like noise, just, right? Like if you're in a hotel and somebody's vacuuming at the yeah. other end of the hall, yeah. it was kind of that, but. It's like in the ceiling, maybe. So you have both your headphones on, so you're not hearing it. I, I always wear one of my ears right. open to the noise, so I can definitely so still, still hear still it. Going. Oh, yeah, I don't oh, think yeah. it's going out over the air. But okay, so you're <laughs> leaving me. You know, you're leaving, I were as, pumping the gas in or something, huh? We don't as, know exactly what's going on. As I'm reading the news update, Jeff is looking around the studio for the noise. <laughs> I was trying well, not to laugh. That was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, well, I'm just trying to figure out. Okay, where, where, where is this um, going on here? I just, I'm just. Just saying, I would, it's always one of these mysteries. I'm, I'm pulling a prank on you. It's my last day. I'm pulling Absolutely out all the stops. Right. You've, you've, got, you've got some, you've got some like noisemaker in your back pocket. It just says, "Let's see if we can drive Jeff crazy." No, no. It's, or it's, some, some days it's more of a. Putt it's my than a senior drive. prank. That's why, that's why I'm pulling on you here. Okay. Well, I, I think we're going to be okay. You know, Alex was talking about how the the stock market is is down big today. Um, the the reason a lot of times you can't explain it uh, today. It, it's what's going on in China. Uh, China has always been very when it comes to covid lockdowns 
China has been very aggressive. I mean, imagine, imagine what Tony Evers would do and then take it on steroids. And China has been very, very aggressive on, on sudden lockdowns and really extreme lockdowns and what's in response to COVID. And what's happened is the population is starting to push back and they've had demonstrations and they've had riots and uh, things like that. They're, they're talking about these huge protests. Um, the people saying we want freedom. They're defying these orders. There's there's words about that is being thrown around about it. could there be a coup? Now I, I don't think any of that's going to happen. But um, stock markets don't like uncertainty. And what's going on today is that um, I think that there's a lot of investors who are concerned about these pro- protests about the country's zero COVID policy, and they're worried about okay, is this going to affect you know the outlook for the world's second largest economy. And so that's always the point I make for people who who think, okay, well, why do we care about the world and things like that? Well, next to the United States, you know, China is the second largest economy in the world. And we we trade with China. And that's just the the reality. And we're, we're never going to be able to get to a point where we completely divorce ourselves from, you know, what goes on in China. So what happens in China does have a trickle effect. And if you're wondering why the market is down today, I think it's due to what is going on in China. Okay, when we come back, what could go wrong with this? Stick around. So I, I get all these emails and press releases, and, and most of the time, you just, just get so many of them, it kind of goes past you. But every once in a while, there's one that caught my attention. So here's one that came out today, and it's put out by Milwaukee DSA. That is the Milwaukee Democratic Socialists of America. And here's the headline. December 3rd Town Hall on Public Ownership of Electricity. Public Ownership of Electricity. Power to the people. Milwaukee Democratic Socialists of America and partners to hold town hall on public ownership of electricity in Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Democratic Socialists of America, DSA, and partner organizations will hold a public town hall event on Saturday, December 3rd at the Washington Park Senior Center to call on the city of Milwaukee to replace We Energies with a publicly owned municipal or cooperative utility. Members of the community are encouraged to come to the event to share their experiences with We Energies and discuss how public ownership of Milwaukee's electrical utilities could lower rates while reducing outage times and increasing community resource control. Let me stop there for a minute. Yes, because every time the government runs something, we know that that's going to lower rates, reduce outage times, and increase community resource control. Yes, the government taking over something always makes it better. Milwaukee Democratic Socialist members have surveyed hundreds of working-class Milwaukee residents over the past year about their experiences with We Energies. And let me just stop there for a second again. I think We Energies does a really really good job. Now, I, I understand when you have a windstorm that blows through and your power goes out, it's it's frustrating, and you wish your power didn't go out, but that's kind of not the world that we live in. So I understand there's that frustration, and I understand everybody wants their power back on again, and I also understand that nobody likes to pay for their utilities, but that said, I, I, I think We Energy does a good job. I continue. One theme came up again and again. People are fed up with the service or lack thereof, that We Energies is providing. 
and agree that the public should have a say in how our utilities are run. Let me digress again. Give me strength. Okay, yeah, we, we want the public. Okay, show up, and, and we want the public to decide how the utility is going to be run. This is how we think you should hook up the electric lines. Okay, good with that. It is a need for all people, and so it should be run by the people, said one Milwaukee resident. We energies can't be allowed to continue, another resident agreed, citing rising energy rates. Northside Rising and the Greater Milwaukee County Green Party are partnering with the Milwaukee DSA on this campaign. That is a trio to draw to. to. Northside Rising, the Greater Milwaukee County Green Party, and the Democratic Socialists of America. Milwaukee DSA is a large tent organization of Milwaukee workers, activists, and organizers demanding a society where all participate as equals and all are respected for their worth as human beings. Um, Do you think that We Energies really serves our city well? said the co-chair of Milwaukee DSA, a little-known law would allow Milwaukee to get rid of We Energies and replace it with a utility that we, the folks who use it, own. We want to talk about how that could affect your monthly bill, build community control of energy resources, and impact how much time you spend without power each year. We want to establish a democratic economy where workers and communities control the wealth they create and economic decisions are made collectively. This means even the public utilities are owned by the people, not by Wall Street. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the WTMJ talk and text line. So the Democratic Socialists of America want to get together, power to the people. They want to essentially get rid of We Energies. And they want the city of Milwaukee to start its own publicly owned, power to the people, uh, electric supplier, because they think it will be more efficient, they think it will be cheaper, and they think that you will have less downtime. 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Remember the old old, uh, movie Lawrence of Arabia? And you have, towards the end of the movie, you have the Arab revolt, and they end up taking over the the city. Was it Jerusalem? They take over the city, and then the locals, they start running the power plant. Well, of course, you know, because the British had been running the power plant, so the British pull away from this, and so they, they allow the insurgents to run the power plant. And what happens? Well, there's no power. Okay, get rid of We Energies and have, again, a essentially like a, a co-op, run electricity in the city of Milwaukee? What do you think about that, and how would that work? 855-616-1620, we discuss. 855-616-1620. Jeff, did marijuana get legalized in the state of Wisconsin? What the heck are these people smoking, and where can I get it? I can count on one hand the number of times I've lost power for more than 30 seconds in the last year. Let the people run the company for power. Give me a break and give me strength. Jeff, get rid of We Energies. It'll never happen. I work there. There's a lot behind generating electricity that goes on. We Energies has been working on this for years. The city government or any other entity could never handle this. Jeff, what a crackpot idea. If anything, it would cost more. Um, be happy with what you have. Jeff, good luck getting a city employee up a pole to fix a line on Sunday, Christmas, or Easter. 
Um, yes. Jeff, after listening to several of your stories today, I'm wondering, is it April 1st? It's got to be because I can't believe how foolish some of these eyes are. Jeff, if you wanted to destroy a company, this would be it. Um, well, you, you've got that there. Jeff, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Um, Jeff, perhaps they need to um, speak. The, perhaps they need to go to solar power if people don't want to pay their utilities. Um, Jeff, well, it sounds like a great idea for a city to have their own electric company. Number one, the city is broke, so where would they get the money to start? Also, where would buy they buy the electricity from? We Energies, or would they have to build their own plant? Also, who owns the electric wires that delivers We Energies electricity? It doesn't. We energies get energy on them. So what would the cost be to run more wires? I think they're nuts. That's all I have to say. Now, one of our texters says, Jeff, many communities across the state use the municipal ownership model for their electrical utility needs. Um, and f- I will give you, an, for example, Los Angeles. For the last hundred years, you have they have used this model. Now, this is the, the new political wave, and... Boston, New York, San Francisco, and Chicago, they have groups like this that are are pushing to put the electric system in public hands. Um, So that's this idea that if we turn it over to government, government will do a better job of running it than the private system. So now in the city of Milwaukee, this is the same city of Milwaukee that's essentially broke because of, of pension obligations. This is the same city of Milwaukee that gave you the hop. So you now want to have this city of Milwaukee take care of all your power needs. All right. Scott in South Milwaukee. Scott, good afternoon. Hi, hi Jeff. Yeah, thanks for taking my phone call. Yeah, on this topic, I think it's a topic worth studying and analyzing because throughout the state of Wisconsin, there are a lot of communities, whatever, that use what they call the the muni model where they – where they are their own, where they are, they act as their own, as their own electric utility. And what essentially what they do is that they buy the power at wholesale prices from the whatever from from the gener from the gener from the generating companies, mm-hmm. and then basically whatever they they pass those savings whatever onto on onto their rate payers. All right, whatever, and then to answer like the question about the assets of the of the grid. All right. What it, essentially what happens that when this model goes into effect is that the utility sells the assets, whatever at the depreciated cost, whatever over to o- over over to the muni. Whatever an example, like it's in the state of Wisconsin, is, is the Wisconsin Dells. Mm-hmm. That's its own. That's its own municipal utility. All right. Whatever. But utility companies, whatever the, the big investor-owned utility companies in the state of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. When they, when communities, whatever, want to go to this model, they fight it tooth and nail because mm-hmm. why? For obvious reasons, because it's less revenue for them, mm-hmm. less return for their, less return for their shareholders. Again, I mean, do I think it's a good idea? I have no opinion on it, whatever. But I think it's something, whatever, worth studying because it's it's a it's a common practice already across the state of Wisconsin and other large and also other large cities across across the U.S. Well, Scott, thanks. Well, it, it, it's not a common practice. It's in in small rural communities. You you have that you have the the, the nonprofit co-ops that, that operate there in general as a way to to get you know electrical services there. As far as large cities, 
Los Angeles, like I say, to my knowledge, Los Angeles has used this forever, but that's just been the model that Los Angeles has. And I do understand that this, you know, the power of the people, the big government stuff, there, there is a push for this in Chicago. There's a push for this in San Francisco. There's a push for this in New York. There's a push for this in Boston because the, the idea is that we, we think we can do better if government is running this. I'm just saying that given the way we operate in the city of Milwaukee, do, do you really think that by having the city of Milwaukee run the electrical service that you're, you're going to get better service? And look, and I understand there's a controversy with We Energies right now. I, I get it that, that people don't like paying for utilities services to begin with. I, I understand that. And I, I also understand that, you know, there's all this talk about the rate hikes that the Public Service Commission is, is going to, um, you know, is, is going to ultimately pass on. So I understand that there's that. But I, for one, and I don't live in the city of Milwaukee, okay, I work in the city of Milwaukee, but I like the idea that, you know, you, you turn on the lights and the lights are there. I, I like that. My big concern with this is if you put this in charge of the government, and you take out the for-profit element to this. All right, you know, are you going to get the same level of services? And, you know, when the power gets out, are you going to have the same commitment to restoring this that we have had before? Let's talk to John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, John, right here. Man, leave it like it is. I mean, we don't need the government taking over nothing else. I mean, nobody needs to be on We Energy be worse than me. And, and it's always too high, but it's almost like it's almost like cable. You, you ain't gonna do it without them, you know. What I mean, you can you can do try this and try that. You end up going back to cable, so there's no way. Just leave that like it is, and and maybe you can talk to We Energy and see if you can get your payments down lower, <laughs> right, or something. But whatever you do, don't 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 don't, don't mess it up. And no, thank, well, that, I, fix it, you know? right. Well, thanks. See, I guess that's my my thing. If if it's broke, don't fix it. Now, if we had now, for example, if we were in California and we were talking about the rolling blackouts and, you know, every time there's a forest fire and, and this inability to be able to generate enough energy to meet people's needs, I, I would say fine. Now, you can argue about what is a fair rate of return, and, and that's, a, that's a fair discussion to have. But, again, I just go back to the basic premise. I think We Energies does a pretty – I think it does a pretty good job of providing – you know, energy to people. And again, we can argue about the costs and things like that, but I, I'm happy with We Energies. I think most people are happy with We Energies. And I guess one of the questions would be if we get to a situation where we, we do have, for example, Milwaukee decides it's going to take this over. All right, for the rest of us who are, are paying extra on our bills for all the different energy assistance programs they have, does that mean that my bill, somebody who lives in the suburbs, does that mean that my bill is going to go down because we're not going to have, I don't know, dealing with the, all the different costs and collection costs and the problem they have in the city of Milwaukee? I guess if that's the case, okay, maybe you say if Milwaukee really thinks they could do this better, that's great. All I'm saying is I'd be very, 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 very careful about going down this route. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good.
Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, one final time. Uh, tickets for the holiday radio show are on sale till 5 o'clock tonight. The doors open at 5.30. At the, they're in the Grand Ballroom at the Fister. And um, we, we've had a huge run on the tickets, but there are a, a few left. And if you are looking for something to do tonight, all you have to do is go to WTMJ.com. You'll see the banner note. Click on that, and then um, you'll just give us your credit card information. Trust us. We're not from the government. Give us your credit card information. Buy the tickets. You get an email in return. It is at the Fister. Parking is included in the cost of the ticket. It's in the Fister parking ramp. You self-park. You just walk in, get the elevators, come to the Grand Ballroom. You will be all set. Uh, ticket sales benefit Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Toy Drive. It's the WTMJ Holiday Radio Show presented by Capco Metal Stamping, Drake & Associates, Dave Drake Camp Heating, and Gruber Law Offices. I am looking very f- much forward to it. Spent a couple hours yesterday kind of polishing up my part of the script, and uh, it is a WTMJ Christmas tale. If you've been there before, uh, this is our sixth year that we've done this. You know, it's always a lot of fun. Like I say, doors open at 5.30. The show starts promptly at 6.30, and um, we'll have you out of there a little around 8 o'clock. So that's it's not, you don't have to worry about you. I have to get up. I have to go to work, uh, get the kids off to school the next day. Um, you don't have to worry about that because we'll, we'll have you out at a decent time. As long as we are speaking of utilities. I want to kind of talk about one of these larger issues because we were discussing in the last segment of the program whether it would be a good idea for the people who, I don't know, um, run the hop to also run the power grid in the city of Milwaukee. Now, I think it would be disastrous, but um, they'll ultimately, you know, make this decision. But here is one of the other things that, that is a foot. There is a movement in this country that does not believe that you should have to pay for your utility service if if it would be a strain on on you. And there's a couple proposals that are floating around in Madison now, but th- there's another one that, that's a larger sort of point that's out there. For example, let's talk about Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, there is a moratorium that goes into effect every November 1st, and what it says is that between November 1st and April 15th, Utilities are prohibited from disconnecting customers who are behind on their bills. All right. And the thinking behind that is, gee, we don't want we don't want to have people not have heat, not have power in in the winter. So what happens is that people then, at least many people, just flat out make the decision that, well, okay, I've got these choices to make with money. And if I don't pay my cable bill. Well, they're going to shut off my cable. If I don't make my car payment, they're going to come back and they're going to repossess my car. If I don't pay my cell phone service, they're going to cut off my cell phone. You, you, you get the, the idea. But when it comes to utilities, if I don't pay the utilities, well, I don't have to worry about that because nothing's going to happen till April. And then, you know, once April rolls around, you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. So there, there's no means testing. There's no effort. You're not required to participate in payment plans. There's no examination of, well, you know, you really have enough money to pay. You're just choosing not to. No, the rule just says we, we, we're not going to shut power off. So then inevitably what happens is April 15th rolls around and you have people who have not paid their utilities for, you know, five or six months. And so now they're way behind. And the chances of being able to realistically catch up are very, very difficult. 
And so then they're faced with being disconnected because, again, they, they owe they owe the money. And we energies, we energies, alliant energies, you know, whatever. The last thing that they really want to do is disconnect people because they want to get their money. They want to get paid. And, you know, disconnecting people is kind of like the, the ultimate step. But nevertheless, if you are not paying for your utility bills, that means that cost of you not paying for utility bills has to get spread out among all the rest of the people who are paying their utility bills. Well, as long as we're talking about utilities, story, an editorial actually in the Los Angeles Times and the editorial board, this is the headline, water and power are essential. Disconnecting services, if people can't afford to pay, is cruel. The Los Angeles Department of Water and Power has made a radical but logical decision. The utility will no longer shut off service when low-income residents and seniors don't pay their bills. Instead, these customers will be put on payment plans that can stretch over several years. They'll be offered incentives to help lower their water and power use, and if they qualify, be enrolled in federal programs to help households in poverty pay for utilities. Disconnecting service has been a common practice by utilities when customers don't pay the bill, but this is an important change, recognizing that water and power are essential services. It's cruel to cut off people if they fall behind on their bills because of financial hardship. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. All right, should we simply say we're not going to shut off power if people decline to pay? Now, look, by the way, I have no problem putting people on payment plans. That's what, for example, We Energies tries to do. Now, the problem is if you get way, way behind in utilities, you get put on these payment plans and they can last forever or, or they're a big chunk of money. But I, I appreciate that. I have no problem with the payment plans. I have no problem with saying, hey, you know, we're going to try to get you if there's money available from the federal government for low-income folks and you can get some money to help pay that. Okay, that that to me – you know, makes sense. Encouraging people to lower their power usage. I, I think that makes sense as well. But the idea that we're not going to disconnect people if they just flat out don't pay. Is that reasonable? Is that fair to everybody else who does pay? Does, is there a right? Is it an entitlement that you should have electricity and water service for free? Natural gas service as well. 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. We're not talking about, you know, getting help and subsidies and payment plans. Those are all good ideas. But this idea that if you don't pay, you can't be shut off. My argument would be, by the way, that if you don't have the threat of disconnection, there's no way at all that you're going to get people to pay. If there's not the threat that, hey, if I don't pay my cell phone bill, people aren't going to pay their cell phone bill. If, if they're not afraid that the, the cell phone service is going to be cut off. If, you know, you don't pay for your Internet service, there's no way in the world that people are going to pay for the Internet service unless they're afraid that they're going to pull the plug. People aren't going to make their car payments unless they're afraid that, hey, if I don't make my car payments and I fall too far behind, boom, they're, they're going to take my car back. People won't make their rent payments if there are no consequences. If, hey, well, I can't be evicted if I don't pay, why do I pay? 
our number, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. All right, do we need to go this route in Wisconsin saying, look, we're not going to cut off, we're, we're not going to cut off people for failure to pay. 855-616-1620, which is the WTMJ talk and text line. If you're just tuning in, the, the utility, the water and electricity utility in Los Angeles has just said, we're, we're not going to disconnect people for non-payment. We, we've just made this decision that, you know, we're going to try to encourage people to get on payment plans or whatever, but under no circumstances are we going to disconnect people for non-payment, which raises the question, who's going to pay? I, I mean, seriously, if that is the policy who is going to pay? Now, in Wisconsin, we have a moratorium that goes into effect November 1st, runs to April 15th. You can't disconnect, but the bills continue to accrue, and there is an expectation that, you know, you will you will pay that at some point in time, or at the very least, get yourself on some sort of payment plan. But the only reason, the only way in, uh, uh, utilities in Wisconsin have of, Forcing people or encouraging people or getting people to even pay a dime on their bills is the threat of disconnection. You take that away, I mean, what's going to happen? All right, let's start with Mike in Mequon. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. You were saying that, you know, you always say life isn't fair, wear a helmet. Yep. You know, this isn't fair or unfair. It's right and wrong. And what's next? I can't afford my groceries, so I'm just going to go to the store and take it. You know, and when, when you said before, you know, the only thing government seems to get partially right is, you know, the defense. That's it. Yeah. Education's a mess because of government. Uh, and, you yeah. know, Republican or Democrat, this country's in a mess. Right. Well, I guess my... And, you my, know, yeah, let's hand... Let, let's hand oh, go ahead. Oh, and no, my question to you, Mike, was going to be, okay, let's assume that you have a, a chunk of people who simply decide they're not going to pay. All right, well, we're... Where, how is the utility going to produce energy? I mean, if it becomes now optional for you and I to, to pay our utility bills. I mean, at some point in time, if you use the service, don't you have an obligation to pay for it? This idea that no, you know, people shouldn't be expected to pay for gas, utilities, for water. Where, where, where did we get to this point? Well, exactly. You know, these people, the people that run the utilities, the companies, have to pay people to keep the employees on and right. place, pay suppliers, and we stop paying them, then the suppliers will stop supplying, and they're going to shut down anyway. You, I mean, it's an endless cycle of stupidity. Well, <laughs> thanks for the call. Endless cycle of stupidity. Well, I mean, look, th- th- this is it, and I'm. This isn't. Oh, you're you're at war against poor people, but but no. Also, you know, where is the means testing on this? And, and by that, I mean, for example, in Wisconsin right now, you just. You decide from November 1st through April 15th, you decide you don't want to pay. Well, you're, you know, you're, nothing's going to happen to you, or at least your, your power isn't going to get shut off. You're, and, and that's, that's all well and good. I, I understand. You don't want to leave people without heat in, in January, but you know, there, there's no way we do not sort out now, you know, between the people who legitimately can't pay versus the people who choose not to pay. Or, I mean, I would argue that, gee, I, I think, Paying what you owe for your heat and your electricity is at least as much of a responsibility and a priority as paying for your cell phone or for your cable service or for your streaming service or for your Internet. But yet we, we don't 
put that requirement in. You don't have to say, okay, we've got this moratorium here. I've got to apply for this, and I've got to show you that I really can't afford this. You just get to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Now, one of our texters said, well, one of the dirty secrets is there's all sorts of people in River Hills who, who don't, don't pay their bills, and then they just write a big check on April 15th. I find that hard to believe, but I, I don't know one way or the other. But that demonstrates my point as well. It, there, it seems to me there should be some sort of means testing. If you want to apply for, gee, I, I want to have this moratorium, you should be have to have to demonstrate in some way, shape, or form that you you qualify for this, that you need this, and that it's not just a matter of a choice. Well, gee, I don't want my car repossessed. I don't want my cable TV shut off. I don't want my cell phone shut off. So I've decided I'm going to pay those bills and I'm going to stiff We Energies or Alliant Energy or whatever. And then we'll figure this out, you know, come April 15th. 855-616-1620. Joe in Thienesville. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Yes. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Joe. Um, I'm thinking that if there is any type of arrangements that are made, between the utility companies and the individual, uh, why couldn't it be kind of contracted on an automatic withdrawal basis mm-hmm. where you don't have the choice of making that payment or not, mm-hmm. where it automatically gets taken out of your account and you've agreed to the terms and just like anything else. And in that case, if they don't complete those terms, um, then maybe, you know, mm-hmm. they'd be under some threat of uh, losing power. But I'm thinking, though, if they do agree to the terms mm-hmm. and they contract for it, then there should be an automatic withdrawal. No choice of if I want to make that payment or not. Right. No, they, and I guess and I would take it one step farther. I mean, thanks to the call, Joe. I mean, I, I would go again to some element of means testing to, to say, I mean, look, this is this is just like this thing where, you know, during COVID, we, we wanted to get money into the hands of people. So we just sent it to all sorts of people, regardless of whether they needed it or not. OK, you know, you haven't lost your job during COVID. You're just making as much money. Well, here we're, we're, we're going to give you the, this money, even though you don't need it. Um, by, and by needed, I mean, even though your circumstances haven't changed, you haven't been affected by COVID. Well, this is the same sort of deal. Okay. You know, if you really are low income and you're struggling and, you know, we, we want to get you into the, the federal programs. We want to get you all the different assistance that we can have. But right now there, there's no incentive. There's no incentive to say, Okay, don't turn your heat up. You know, you know, a, a lot of us are worried about, gee, we don't want spiraling energy costs, so it'd be really nice to keep the house at 71, but we're going to keep it at 67 because we don't want that big utility bill. Well, if you know you're not going to have to pay for this, hey, turn it up to 75 or 80. What do you care? You know, let's, let's turn it into a sauna. You crank up the air conditioning or whatever. Uh, do all those type of things where you don't have to be responsible. All I am saying is that what you want to do is you want to develop a program that increases and encourages responsibility and a notion to say to people, all right, under no circumstances, regardless if you pay or not, we're not going to disconnect your utilities. You're just going to find yourself in a situation where those few people who decide that they are still going to pay, they are going to be paying for everybody else until they wise up and decide, well, why am I doing this? Maybe I shouldn't pay as well. And then sooner or later, okay, you know, sooner or later, where where is the utility? How about the people that, that go out and work for the utility company? How are they going to get paid if nobody has to pay their bills? Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. 
As rates and inflation still rise, how will the markets react? How much will a recession impact employment and earnings? Join our very own Steve Scafidi and Annex Wealth Management's president and CEO, Dave Spano, as they walk through expectations for the new year in a virtual webinar on Thursday, December 8th. That would be one week from Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Inflation, bull markets, bear markets. Have all your 2023 financial questions answered on our virtual webinar presented by Annex Wealth Management. All right, Flambeau High School is in northwest Wisconsin. Um, If you go to, like, I would consider this to be up north. Go to Rhinelander, then you go a little bit west to Tomahawk, then you go, continue going west. Before you get to Rice Lake, you hit Flambeau High School. Um, Think Chippewa Falls, go north. So it's, it's, again, Northwest Wisconsin, what we would end up calling like like up north. Why do I tell you about Flambeau High School? Because Jim Leonard, the former interim head football coach at Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin, that's where he's from. Uh, So he's a Wisconsin kid, played college football there, Flambeau High School, walked on as a player at the University of, of Madison. He didn't get a scholarship offer. He walked on at Wisconsin and ended up, um, you know, playing. He didn't get a scholarship until his senior year, even though he'd been a starting safety for a couple seasons before that and had already been named All Big Ten twice. He went on, after graduating from Wisconsin, to have a 10-year career playing in the NFL, played for Buffalo and Baltimore and Denver and a couple other places as well, finished up with Cleveland, but had a 10-year career which is something else. Then he got into coaching. In 2016, Leonard, and this would have been about a year after he retired, he, he went to Wisconsin, was hired by Paul Christ, former football head football coach at Wisconsin, and he started off as a defensive backs back coach. Um, in addition to that, you know, he progressed up. Um, in 2017, he was named the defensive coordinator of the Badgers, and he served in, you know, that role, um, essentially, you know, since then. He is viewed as a very hot commodity. The word is that the Packers tried to hire him as their defensive coordinator a year or so ago, and he turned down the Packers because he wanted to stay with Wisconsin. Well, I think everybody knows the story with Wisconsin. They fired Paul Christ, their head coach, five games into the season. They thought they were moving in the wrong direction. They hired Jim Leonard. They elevated him from his position as defensive coordinator to be the head coach. And the expectation was that that he was going to be the next full-time coach. He finished out the season. I think he went four and three. The, the Badgers finished six and six. It was, it was not a good year for Wisconsin football. Finished six and six, uh, but... They, you know, they finished. The players generally liked Jim Leonard. And like I say, the expectation was, you know, he's he's part of the Wisconsin program. He played here. The expectation was that he was going to be hired full time. Matter of fact, what was it? It was um, was it yesterday or was it um, or was it Saturday? Whenever the, this news was breaking, even in the morning, the, the stories, the headlines, Wisconsin sports writers were all writing, hey, you know, the word is Jim Leonard's going to be the next football coach at Wisconsin, a- until he wasn't. And then all of a sudden you had the breaking news that, okay, Leonard wasn't going to get the gig, and instead uh, UW-Madison had decided to hire Luke Fickle, who is, <clears throat> is a player from Ohio State, 
coached at Ohio State, and he's been the head coach at Cincinnati for like the last five or six years. And he's taken, you know, Cincinnati, which is a program in the American Athletic Conference, and he's turned them into a semi-national power. So that's, you know, that's, that's the deal. And he apparently has now gotten the gig at Wisconsin. And that leaves Jim Leonard out in the cold. Uh, a lot of players are unhappy that Wisconsin has gone this route because they, you know, he had been their coach, their defensive coach. They thought he was going to get it. The word is that, that he's devastated because he thought he was going to get it. And there is kind of a perception that Wisconsin led him believe, to believe that he was going to get it. And now they've kind of pulled the rug out from under him. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talk and text line. Now, typically, I, I leave our sports conversations to our colleagues down the hall at ESPN. But I think this is an interesting one simply because Leonard had all the connections to Wisconsin. He had the right pedigree. He had the right experience. And he was expected to be the one who was going to get this gig. And now you find out at the last minute he didn't. All right. So did Wisconsin mess him over? Should he have been the next coach at UW? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's a WTMJ talk and text line. Now, by, by all... By all descriptions, this Luke Fickle, who is going to be the next Wisconsin Badgers head football coach, he comes from the University of Cincinnati. He's turned Cincinnati into quite a powerhouse. So, I mean, he, he's he's the real deal. He was making over $5 million a year at Cincinnati. He's apparently going to get a, a raise on top of that to come to Wisconsin. So that's all well and good. The interesting thing is that since a minute uh, Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, was elevated to be the interim head coach at Wisconsin. The, the general ex- thought was, okay, this is a Wisconsin guy. He's he's going to get the gig. As a matter of fact, if you looked at the stories that were being written by sports writers up until about an hour before the news broke that it was going to be this guy from Cincinnati, it was Leonard's going to be hired. Leonard's going to be hired. Our number, 855-616-1620. So th- did he get messed over? Let's start with uh, Pat in Milwaukee. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I think he got rolled over, man. Tell me um, why. It, well, it sounds like he was promised something. He's from Wisconsin. You know, I think that's it's, it's his in pedigree. He knows what Wisconsin is mm-hmm. all about. You know, after last night's Packer game, all I can say is, Matt LaFleur, are you really listening to this show? Because you need a defensive coordinator. <laughs> this guy's got what it takes. Well, uh, thanks, Nicole. I, I, do think that, um, I, I do think that if I were Matt LaFleur, that there, there's no way, whether, whether you fire your defensive coordinator today or tomorrow or you limp out the rest of the season, there's no way that Joe Barry, the Packers' defensive coordinator, is the defensive coordinator for next year. So whether Jim Leonard, who they tried to get a while back, whether th- this is the right opportunity, I, I don't know. I, you know, who knows what he was promised? I guess here, here is my, here's my problem. This is, you want the best coach you can get for a program that's kind of been spinning its wheels a little bit. For, for a program that, that they want consistently, and Wisconsin Badgers fans want consistently to be a challenger for the Rose Bowl and the Big Ten Championship, um, I, I think you, you can argue that they haven't been there for the last couple of years, taking nothing away from how well they do. And they're looking for a coach that can elevate them to that next level. Now, clearly, 
They, they made the decision that the coach they're getting from Cincinnati is going to be able to do it. But it does mean that they threw Jim Leonard under the bus. Should we feel bad about that? Let's talk to Roger in Waukesha. Roger, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeffs. Hi, Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I guess I'm, I'm of the opinion I feel very badly for Jim Leonard, except for the fact that Wisconsin wants to go to the national stage. Yep. And you've got a coach that they just hired that's been on the national stage, that's been in the Final Four, has the recruiting ability and contacts to get those number three, yep. uh, I mean, the, those, those three-level and four-level players to come and play at Wisconsin. And yep. I think that's what they're looking at. They want, McIntosh wants a national championship in Wisconsin, and he simply has to make the best decision possible. This guy was available. Yeah. Surprise, he was available, but this guy's available. Yeah, you know, I was thinking, I was trying to, when I was thinking about this this morning, it's not like, okay, Duke basketball, when Mike Krzyzewski steps down and you, you elevate, you know, one of his top assistants, because... There you have a program that is a, a top five program. So it's like, okay, we want somebody to continue that trend. Here, Wisconsin, let's face it, it, it's not a top five program. You want somebody who's got experience, like you're saying, that can that can elevate the program. And I think that was the big concern. Leonard, who'd never been a head coach except for six or seven games, however many played this year, I, I think their concern was, gee, is he the best person for the school right now. And he did kind of get screwed over, I think, but you understand why they did it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, I guess that's how I, I, I looked at it. And that was, all, that was my question all along, which was, look, I, I, I appreciate loyalty. I get it. I respect loyalty and things like that. And, you know, who knows what he was told when he, he first took the interim gig. And I have no doubt that there were a lot of people saying, okay, you're a lock for this. But at the same time, you know, if... If you have an opportunity for somebody who's going to significantly upgrade the program, don't you have to take it? Let's talk to Brick in Muskego. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> Thank you for calling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was. I, yeah. I don't think that he was screwed over. I, I only thing I know is a lot of us, myself included, assumed he was going to get the job, but we don't know what was said when he was appointed interim by McIntosh. I, I am positive because McIntosh said it. He was very clear about it, that he was going to do a national search, even though Leonard was named the interim coach. He, he, he said at his press conference that to do Wisconsin and the university right, he's going to do a national search and look for the best candidate. At the end, it may be Leonard. It may not be. But he, he was clear on that. And you know, look who the finalists were for this job. Dave Aranda. Yeah. Lance Leopold, uh, um, Jim Leonard, and, and Fickle, the guy they ultimately hired. Well, th- three of those four are proven head coaches. Jim Leonard actually was probably the, the, the least, besides he's already in the program, was the least qualified of all, of all those four candidates that they had finally. Yeah. And I like Jim Leonard. I think I, I would have been okay. Well, I don't know. The way Saturday's game ended, yeah. I wasn't quite happy with how that <laughs> ended. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, I think he would he may have been okay, but like you just said, you you had an opportunity to get one of the hottest commodities in coaching out there right now, who's got ties to the Midwest, who's played in the Big Ten and coached in the Big Ten, 
um, and taken a program like Cincinnati and made it into a national conversation, um, I think you got to take that chance when you get that when it's offered to you. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. And it and and look, Jim Leonard will end up fine. I mean, whether it's whether he's whether the oh, Packers yeah. make a run at him or whatever, he, I don't think he hurt himself in his 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 run as this this head coach. I think he's positioned to get some other gig. He'll it won't be at Wisconsin, but he'll he'll do fine wherever he ends up. Well, and the coach that we hired actually at one point was the interim coach at Ohio State, did not get the head coach at Ohio State, stayed on as their coordinator for a couple more years under uh, Urban, Urban Meyer, and then ultimately got this job in, uh, at yeah. Cincinnati and proved himself. So maybe Leonard, that would be the best of both worlds if we could keep him as the D.C. Yeah. coordinator. I don't think that's going to yeah. happen, but you know that would be the best of both worlds. Yeah, and I think, thanks for, I think it would be... I think it would be tough. I mean, if, if you're, you know, you've been the interim head coach and you get passed over as publicly as this and you have other options, I, I suspect, I, I think it would just be tough, you know, no matter how well you got along. 